Welcome to PB and Justice, the Price Benowitz podcast, where you join our hosts, Dane Phillips and Mitch Greenberg, on their journey to prove what makes our lawyers different and why our lawyers have chosen to pursue a life of fighting for justice. This episode is hosted by Mitch Greenberg, the law champion. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Mitch Greenberg with the Price Benowitz Podcast. I'm the law champion, and I am the head of our workers' compensation division. I also do some criminal defense and personal injury. We are here today with Tammy Began, one of our esteemed family law attorneys. And Tammy's going to tell us about everything she does. Hi, Tammy. How are you? Good. How are you, Mitch? Wonderful. How's the, uh, how's the quarantine working for you? Uh, well, uh, just, uh, just not fun. Definitely not fun. Spending a lot more time at home than I'd like. Um, but I have to say that business is definitely picking up yeah. it was a little quiet at the beginning, but, uh, the phones are, are ringing a lot more with, uh, domestic violence petitions and all kinds of questions on how I can get divorced and what do I do about custody and access and, how does COVID affect that? So um, it's it's been interesting. So are you finding a lot of the new cases to be kind of COVID-related, COVID-prompted, perhaps? Yes. The new cases, there is uh, there was some re- – well, let me just preface it by saying either somebody – if somebody got served with papers, you know, sometime, then obviously it's in a reaction or a defense to that. But in new cases that where the person would be the plaintiff or the petitioner, then it usually has to do with something uh, that's going on because of COVID, whether or not they want access or they want to deny access to a child or whether uh, the fact that they're now quarantined with their spouse or their significant other is raising all kinds of issues. And sometimes it's about them wanting to relocate in the middle of all this. So um, the domestic violence certainly is because of, I think, the fact that everyone, you know, you really don't get any relief. Everyone is usually under the same roof for a lot longer than they than anyone had intended. Are you working completely from home? No, no. Thank you for asking. I uh, I go into the office. Actually, my assistant Jackie and I, we take turns to go into the office as needed Uh, today. She is there. Um, I was there yesterday. So it just, it just depends. I I'll go in if there's a reason for me to go in, whether it's heavy copying or filing or, um, you know, discovery, but I am able to be fully remote um, right. if needed, except the courthouse is across the street. So it makes it easy from my office. So it makes it easy if I have to file anything. I've been to your office, perfect location. I mean, you are right okay. at the courthouse. That's right. I forgot when you you're an excellent host. Uh, that's right and kush i think kush stopped by today oh yeah we hadn't yeah we hadn't seen him in a while so we were surprised to see him or she saw him actually i didn't see him okay Uh, i must have been exciting but no one is in that building because you remember that building it's uh six floors it's really very few people when i'm there there may be two other people on the entire floor right so it's it's and the town is, is dead. Rockville is, is dead. So I've been going into my uh, office about twice a week, mostly for a change of uh, 
it changed scenery. Also, because I, I run the stairs, we have a 10-floor building and uh, really steep stairs. So I've been doing that for exercise, uh, but it's, it's death. Like, there's nobody there. And they have a requirement that you wear a mask in, in the building, certainly in the elevator. And they issued a, uh, a warning that you should only one person at a time for the elevator. That just came out. How do you do that? So you, if, if there were more people, I mean, it's, it's probably fine now, but when people start- No, 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 it, it just came out. So now, like, if, if I'm on the elevator and it stops and you know, opens for someone else, they can't come in. They have to wait for an empty one. Well, that's a good policy because I have been a couple times with someone and I'm, I'm obviously with my mask kind of standing in the corner and not feeling very comfortable. So that's, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, I suppose. Or just take the stairs. Well, maybe your build. My building's a little strange when it comes yeah. to the stairs, so um, not. Mine's not pretty really straightforward. But you know, it seems the stairs in my building are unusually ugly. It's it's just pure concrete. It looks like somebody like it's stained every couple. Yeah, it's really weird. Okay. And I, I mean, it is a pretty old building. I think it's like seventies. So maybe that's why. Uh, okay, so. You do family law. Yes, sir. I what, do you, do. what do you love about your job? Oh, there's so many things I love about my job. Um, well, I think the most important thing is that I solve people's problems. That's how I look at them. I don't create them, um, but I definitely solve them. So people come to me uh, really in the worst time of their lives um, because divorce or custody issues are pretty much up there with death and unemployment. So um, I look at it that like I'm really helping people and I feel like the clients that, uh, that stay with me, certainly throughout either litigation or successful settlement, uh, I not only develop a, a good relationship with, but they are just so much better off, so much better off than, um, than when they first started. So I really do, uh, enjoy, you know, getting to know them, uh, trying to help them. Uh, it, and it's not just help them get through the legal processes. I mean, these are people that have to change their lives in one way or another because the lives as they know it are, are changing, whether or not they want it to change. So I, I really, you know, I look at it that I'm helping someone, although I'm not a therapist and nor do I want to be a therapist. Um, it, it's a different kind of help. Um, and, uh, and I have a lot of clients that are very appreciative. Um, mm-hmm. It is very difficult, though, because a lot of the people are have a lot of emotional baggage. And uh, so it's not it's not always easy to work with the clients because they're experiencing, you know, terrible loss. So I know family law is divorce and you have custody. Um, and I guess you also will do protective orders, peace yeah. orders. Yes, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more than just divorce and custody. Okay? What else is there? That's a good. Well, divorce. Okay, divorce is kind of an umbrella, right? Because before you get to the final divorce, there's a lot of issues in divorce. So it could be custody, could be access and visitation. It's definitely child support and/or alimony, marital property division, uh, marital debts. You know, retirement. So there's all different kinds of factors and issues in a divorce. So that's kind of overarching. Um, In custody, 
the same thing, you know, you could have visitation and access issues. And then, which is a very big part of what I do, modification orders. So I have a lot of clients that come to me, they have a court order for custody, but they want to modify it. They either want to modify physical custody or they want to modify legal custody, or in many cases, they want to modify child support. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot, you know, with that um, umbrella. Then there's prenuptial agreements, postnuptial agreements, um, and um, yes, there's protective orders, and protective orders usually are sometimes the beginning of a case that could potentially lead to a divorce. There's usually spouses. Sure. Uh, so, so what's the e- of all the things you mentioned, of all the things you do, what's the easiest? What's the most routine? I mean, I, w- I would assume a prenup is pretty simple. Yeah, the agree- the separation agreements. Um, obviously you're drafting an agreement, so it's a contract. So yes, I would say those are, but they involve a lot of work. You have to ask the right questions. You have to get documents. Um, Oh, and then the other thing I do do is I do, um, I am a certified mediator. I do collaborative divorce and I've just been certified yet again in collaborative divorce. I do a lot of settlement negotiations. So many times, yes, uh, somebody will hire me, to negotiate a settlement for them so it should will culminate in a separation agreement. So I think you're right, separation agreement, prenuptial agreement, certainly very happy. I've had prenuptial agreements, though, that end up in, you know, eight hours of mediation because they're stuck on one thing, and the wedding is, you know, a week from tomorrow, and we need to get that done. So those can be stressful as well. Alimony modification as well. So if somebody goes through the courts and is awarded alimony, it's always modifiable, Means meaning that either party can come back and ask that it be reduced or it be increased or whatever. So those are also cases that um, I, you know, I would handle. Now, I know you have people come to you who have tried to do things on their own, couples who've tried to do things on their own. For uh, At what point... Should a person hire you or call you? At what point should a person call you? Okay, so that is the million-dollar question. And I'm going to tell you that no person should take any action in family matters without consulting with an attorney. And that is the biggest mistake that they make. They sometimes make very bad decisions that are then almost impossible to change. So, for example, somebody says, oh, I'm just going to move out. I'm just going to move out, but um, I really want to get back into that house later. Oftentimes, that's going to be very hard to do if that person moves out and leaves the kids there. So my advice is that people should consult with me. I offer a 20, 30-minute complimentary consultation over the phone. Um, I offer, an in, well, I'm not doing anything in person, but I would offer uh, up to one hour on a Zoom conference or in person, you'd be surprised. Most people really do want the phone consultation, obviously. Um, but I would advise anyone who wants to make a change in their family life to consult with an attorney first because that attorney will give them then a roadmap and strategize on how to do it. The biggest problem I have and is sometimes, yes, oh, look, I signed this. She said that's all I had to do and everything would be okay. Well, guess what? You know, this person is college educated. They can read English. They signed it. Now, what do you want me to do? You know, um, she said it would only be temporary. This is what her lawyer said or his lawyer said. So I, I sort of liken it like, would you really want to perform surgery on yourself? 
you wouldn't do it. So everyone, a lot of people say, well, I found this on the internet. Isn't it true? Why does it take you only three hours? Why does it take you three hours to draft a, a marital separation agreement or more? Um, it's a form. Well, it's not a form. Um, yes, of course, there's boilerplate language in there, but it's not. Every situation is different. And if you take it as a form and just fill in the blanks, you're going to have a whole lot of litigation problems later. That's my feeling anyway. So do you have any – I've seen out there some people advertise that they only represent or they prefer to represent the male. They prefer to represent the female. Do you have any preferences? That's also a very good question. Um, no. I saw you squirm, so it must be a really good question. No, it's a good question. The reason I'm asking that, I mean, the reason I say that is because there is a firm, there are firms that are, that are father's rights firms. Yeah. And they, they pride themselves and they advertise, we're going to defend your rights. So I'm, I'm smiling because mm. absolutely not. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't prefer one sex or the other. I would love same-sex couples. Um, that's, no, I have no preference in, in the matter. What's interesting about what you do versus me with the workers' comp or me with the criminal defense or guys who do personal injury or really – really any other kind of law I can think about is that any other lawyer who practices the kind of law you do, you can be up against uh, because, you know, one spouse or the other. Whereas in what I do, there's the plaintiff's people, and there's the defense people that work for the insurance company. Whereas you only are working, whereas everyone in your field is only working for the, the individual. Yeah. So it's it's kind of fascinating. Very- it makes it uh, okay. Fascinating is one word, but yes, it makes it. Um, it's actually a smaller pool than you think. A lot of us know each other. Certainly in the counties I practice, I can tell a client right off the bat based on who they hired what it's going to look like. You know, there are some depending on who they hired. I'll tell them they're going to need a lot bigger retainer. Yeah. Because um, so yes, uh, sometimes it, it's actually helpful if if it's a friend. You know, someone that you trust and that you know is a good family practitioner because they're few and far between. And if that's the case, I I think it is helpful. Some clients, you know, they like it. Oh, don't be nice to that person. You know, be adversarial. But it actually doesn't always help the client because you're supposed to be you're not supposed to take on the personality of the client, which is what happens to a lot of family lawyers. Uh, which is why it is so adversarial. You're supposed to be the level-headed professional that guides these parties so that they don't, that you don't become your client. So, Well, when someone comes to me for a fairly minor criminal thing and they say, well, what can you do for me? I can't do for myself. I say, well, number one, we go into court, I'm the one who's talking. So I'm not going to say anything stupid. But number two, you're kind of an asshole and that's going to be obvious and this way, I'm doing the talking. I'm not going to piss off the judge. As soon, and because I have clients who are assholes, as do you, right? And you know, when they start talking, it's not going to go well. So our jobs are to be their best face and put that forward. So it is the fascinating part. But I tell people uh, a lot because workers' comp is also a very small community, and uh, I've had people come to me from other lawyers or call me from other. They have other lawyers. Well, my lawyer is like too friendly with the commissioner and, and too friendly with the defense lawyer. They're talking about their kids while we're waiting for exactly. the hearing. But I tell people at intake, at intake, look, it's a small 
universe of what we do. I know them all. I know the commissioners. I've been on committees with them. And that works to your benefit. Sometimes, but see, I've had I've had clients that have come to me from other attorneys where they complain they I think they were friends, so so the client didn't trust their lawyer because their yeah. lawyer is then you have to understand advising them to settle, and then the client feels like, well, you're just saying that because you're friends with the person. So I think it you know you have to build the trust with the with your client. Your client has to know that you know they come first and that whatever you know, pleasantries that you exchange with the other side, that's part of your profession, and that they would trust you that you're there advocating that their best interest. In that particular case, the client felt like she was being pressured to settle. So you, right. because of that, even if they weren't friendly, but, but, you know, obviously you shouldn't pressure someone to settle. They have to, you know, sort of come to that on their own. So it, it does cut both ways. And it really, unfortunately, depends on how the client is feeling because at least my clients are very emotionally or can be distraught. And just just being in the same room or the same courthouse with their spouse or the opposing party, they have a very difficult time with. And in my profession and what I do, they're going to have to take the stand. So even if, like you said, they come off as a jerk it is going to have to be my job to, um, you know, to prepare them so that they don't come off like that because we really can't get away with them not testifying. So when you have people who do have extreme anxiety, extreme issues, uh, do you ever refer them to professionals? Oh, a lot. A lot. A lot. Yes. As a ma- Actually, I, I would suggest that just a matter of course if I see that anyone is – you know, even people that don't appear to be struggling, because let's face it, I, I think everybody needs it. And certainly in the time of divorce and separation, it's it's absolutely helpful. And a lot of people do ask me that. They say, well, I want to go to a therapist or is it OK? I'm seeing a therapist and I'm like, it's great. It's fabulous. Don't worry. Please continue to see your therapist. Are you sure it's not going to show that I'm weak? No, absolutely not. So it, the perception from sometimes from people, I think, until they get the right advice is that, oh, we shouldn't do that because we're going to look or or everything that I'm saying to my therapist is going to get out. They're just not sure. But I absolutely recommend that they see a divorce coach or a therapist or, you know, someone that can, someone that's privileged and confidential so they can't testify in court. Do you also do guardianship? No, I don't as of now do guardianship. Um, uh, Carrie, I believe, does guardianship. Um, in the you don't now. Did you do it in the past? No, I did. I did at one point when I was a little bit guardianship. I have done that. I just am not. Um, I haven't done that in many years, and so I haven't. I haven't done that. I'm, they may be offering. I think a training. They were saying in um, either Montgomery County or Frederick County. So maybe I'll take that again. Um, but you know, I, I I'd like to be busy enough and not not do that. So in your uh, spare time, in your non-work time, what do you do with yourself? Well, um, now everything is spare time, right? <laughs> I mean, we're all home. So in prior prior COVID, right? Before, uh-huh. before quarantine. 
Um, okay, well, I used to go to Orange Theory every day, but that's closed, yeah. so I don't do that anymore. Um, I take care of mostly my daughter. I have two boys in college, or were in college, and now they're home. Um, my oldest was a sophomore at UVA, and my youngest at URI, University of Rhode Island. Oh, nice. Yeah, and my daughter, who just turned 13, her bat mitzvah was actually supposed to be April 25th, which was last Saturday, and that did not take place. So um, that has been moved to August 29th. So we're hoping we're hoping everything works out for that. And um, she is a nationally ranked synchronized ice skater, my daughter. And so we travel all around the country and she competes. Wow. And she won a pewter national medal this year. And then last year it was a bronze national medal. Um, so we uh, that is that is what I do is take her to ice rinks, pick her up from ice rinks and work to take care okay. of all her coaching needs. I've never heard of a pewter medal. Where does that fall? Four, into? four. That's four. Four. Fourth. Sorry. I've never seen that. I guess I've only done one, two, three. Uh, oh, my God, they had a fourth. <laughs> they have a fourth in synchronized um, ice skating. My martial arts is not. Uh, if you get fourth, well, okay. You just have bruises and nothing to show for it. Um, that's really cool. Did you skate? Or can you know, you skate? Oh, and my, my boys were really big hockey players. In fact, um, so, but I skated. No, I just skated like anyone else would skate. I like to skate. I can skate, you know, but uh, somehow when my oldest, my 20-year-old was little, your little ones to ride a bike, right? I thought it's something that they should know. Right. And then I thought it was really cute. Oh, Zane, would you like to have a little stick and a helmet? This looks cute. So that started. And then one thing, somebody looked at him and said, oh, I think he would be good for, you know, Montgomery. And I'm like, what's Montgomery? And the next thing you know, he's in travel hockey and he's six years old. And then his brother is 16 months younger, wants to do that. So we spent many years, you know, with hockey um, all over the place. And then, of course, when my daughter was born, she was a pretty little thing. I wasn't going to have her knocked around. So, and then the boys were like, you got to teach her how to skate. It's not cool. So I taught her how to skate, but I figured, well, why don't we just teach her a little bit how to figure skate? Had I known what figure skating meant, I didn't know anything about synchronized ice skating. Yeah. I would never, I would have absolutely had her play hockey because what she does is like makes hockey look like jump change. So I seem to fall into these things um, without really thinking. So no, I'm not any great skater, um, but I do obviously like to them on ice. <laughs> so synchronized is different than pairs, right? 16 skaters at one time on the ice. 16 skaters. Yes. That sounds insane. It is. It's awesome. It's just an amazing amount of practice and coordination. It's amazing amount of practice, hours and hours of individual and team, and then it's like 3.5 minutes or something, and you travel all over the country hoping to uh, to get these medals. Are your boys playing in college too? Well, so UVA did not. The Charlottesville rink was not there, so no, he didn't. They were busing them to Richmond. He, he wanted a different thing for – so the answer is no. My youngest, who – the ice rink was right there. Also wanted to join a fraternity and apparently said he had enough hockey. So, no, right now they're not playing other than – so that's very sad to me, but what can I say? 
my first year of college, I was on the swim team. We The pool was being built at WashU. They, so they bussed us to local community college, five in the morning. We get picked up on this van. It, it was brutal. It was real nice one, though. But then, so when we had it for sophomore year, I, I did about a month, and then I started martial arts and quit swimming. I was never a great swimmer. It's much better fighting people. See? So I didn't miss it. So, yeah, so my boys, when they played, you know, high school hockey, although once they could drive, they drove themselves, 5.30 in the morning practices. My daughter skates every day before school, so we leave the house at, like, 5.15 a.m. So she you can take skate. her every morning? Yes, and then I pick her up and drive her to school on oh days God. when I don't have court. Days when I have court, someone else takes her, but, yeah. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> and, then on, and then every Sunday for about eight months and sometimes Saturdays because she skates at 5.45 a.m., we have to get up at around 4.15 um, to get her to, depending on which rank, whether it's Wheaton or used to be Kettler, or Cabin John, which is near my house. So right. getting up early is just part of what we do. If, if you need the ice time, you go. I wanted my kids. Uh, my kids are now 28 and 25. I mean, my kids are men. But I wanted them to play sports. Uh, I did all individual stuff, and, and that was fine. Just something. They were so not interested in anything, and they tried a couple. So I kind of lamented that. They weren't swimming and they weren't doing track and they weren't doing whatever. Or even baseball, which I never liked, but that would have been fine. I supported whatever they did. But then I see all my friends doing what you do. It's like, fine, guys, you stay in bed. You stay oh my, Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, my daughter also plays classic soccer. So it's like the soccer and then she, I mean, she would do, yeah. It's. But you know what? Having, so before COVID, it was kind of like, wow, can we just have one day where it's not, you know, running somewhere to all hours? I would give anything and I will not complain that I'm too busy again because I think it's, it's given me a whole new appreciation of, of what being busy is. So you now have all three kids at home. Unfortunately. Three f- pretty physically active kids. Well, certainly your daughter. Uh, My daughter. It's, it's a challenge. She's doing all her Zoom personal training by Zoom and doing soccer by Zoom and I'm, I'm trying to keep her. And now they're having virtual tryouts actually because the ice isn't open. So they're having virtual ice tryouts for the next year. But obviously there's no ice. I don't have any ice here. Yeah. So do they just put on socks and do the whole risky business uh, sliding across the floor? That's funny. Well, she's been on this DC Edge team um, for the last six years. So they're very well aware of her. And it, 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 they can just look at past competition videos and skills and everything that she's done. But for people just trying out new to DC Edge, they'll have to show video footage of whatever they've done. Because she also has to take individual ice dancing coaches, individual ice dancing tests, um, you know, moves in the field. She has to do all these other things that they're aware of. So she's okay. But here's the thing. If this doesn't, you know, we don't know what life is going to look like after COVID. And what we do is we don't compete locally. She competes in New England, um, if we're not traveling, then it's probably going to be like a big practice season, right? Because I, I don't know how we're going to travel unless everything changes. I don't know what anything's going to look like. And they don't either. So they're, they're just saying we're, you know, we're going to start something, but it's not going to look the same. Yeah, I've had uh, my, our nationals were supposed to be uh, last month. Our world championships were supposed to be at the end of July in the Philippines. 
mm. and both are canceled. So just training without any kind of payoff is, is rough. Yeah. And, and we're not even training now. And it's even hard to train, right? I mean, it's... It is hard. It's hard. I mean, you, you can't hit people if there are no people. Yeah, you can just swing at the bag, but that gets old. Yeah. And I practice know. your techniques. So um, let's see. Before family law, did you ever do any other types of law? Yes, I did. I did. Uh, I was a lobbyist, so I did a number of things on the Hill for a while. I did also general some general practice and... Um, I did real estate for a short, very, very short period of time. And then I was a judicial law clerk in the circuit court for Montgomery County. Wow. So. Pretty versatile. Try a little bit of everything, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else you want to tell all of our firm, all of our friends and family? No, just, uh, you know, stay well, be well, and hope we can see you when we come out when we come out of this when well, we can come out of this. tammy thank, thank you so you. much thank i've you. enjoyed talking to you and uh this is mitch greenberg the law champion signing off take care